You're listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jackie Neinheis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. Welcome to the Eat With Grace podcast. I am Brooke, one of your hosts, and I'm here with Jackie. And today we are going to be talking about kind of a controversial subject. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, maybe faulty studies, faulty science, uh, faulty even uh, nutrition science um, that has occurred. And just some of the the errors, um, maybe even a little corruption, if we can use that word, um, that is found in in the research industry and how that has affected uh, policy, how that has affected uh, nutrition information and guidance. And so that's that's what we wanna talk about today. We're gonna talk a little bit about the history of um, maybe nutrition science and, and where we go from here. So Jackie, I'm gonna just, um, turn it over to you. One of the, one of the more controversial um, subjects in the nutrition industry, or one of the, one of the headlines had to do with Brian Wansink, and he was a nutrition researcher. He did a lot with, and Jackie, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he did a lot with mindful eating, um, if I, if I can say that. Um, But Jackie, why don't you go ahead and kind of share what you know about him and his research? You know, his research was fascinating and it caught so many headlines. And Brooke had mentioned earlier to me before the, we started the podcast that when she was in school, he was speaking at all the conferences. He was so well known and everybody was flocking to his books and his information. You know, some of the really interesting studies were things like he had a bottomless bowl where a straw would remove the or uh, keep filling up the bowl of soup. And so his research found that people would uh, continue to eat and eat and eat as long as the bowl, there was food in the bowl. And um, so mindful eating means uh, it's hard to stop when you have large portions or portions that keep keep coming. You know, some of his other really interesting research showed that you have a large bag of chips and a small bag of chips, you're going to eat more from the large. Um, We also saw that if uh, something said that it was low fat, people would eat more. So he just did a lot, a lot of interesting studies and, you know, mindful eating came to the forefront of everybody's nutrition, uh, nutrition thoughts. Um, I know that I had students who even based research upon the research he'd done. One of my students, they did an exercise study where they had a um, double-blind randomized trial and half the people would exercise and told, oh, you did amazing. You worked so hard. It was just like, you know, you just really burned a lot of calories and energy. And then afterwards they were allowed to pick a snack out of a, a bowl. And the other group were not told that they exercised. They did the exact same amount of walking. 
but instead they were visiting and talking and nothing was mentioned that they had exercised hard or anything like that. So then they recorded what happened after the exercise. The group that thought and was told that they exercised so hard were more likely to grab a stack and they were more likely to take the elevator down to get hmm. to the car. Whereas the people who thought they were just visiting and walking, they were more likely to not take a snack and they often took the stairs. So that was just a part of, you know, our research that was built upon his research. Well, come to find out, not only was it faulty research, it was fraudulent. Because what he was doing, and he wrote a blog telling that he did it, is called data mining. And let's say my um, hypothesis is that people are going to eat less when they think they've exercised less versus thinking, being told, oh, you've worked so hard, you've exercised, you're sweating, you're, that's amazing. Okay, so then I go to my data and it doesn't prove true. I don't have those results, but I have 200 participants and I uh, calculated their BMIs. So I have their weight, their height. I have a little bit, I might've taken a food diary of what they ate the day before or that morning. So I might have a lot of different research in there. And I spent a lot of money getting these people to come, doing the snacks and having all the people measure their BMIs. Maybe we even took um, blood pressure and their temperatures. Maybe we even went further and we did some blood draws and all of this cost money and probably six months to a year's worth of time to set it all up. And I got nothing from it. Well, what this Dr. Brian Winsick would do is he would then turn the data over to somebody and say, you know what? We didn't get anything out of this. Would you please go through it? See if you can find something. And he published a blog telling that he did it. One student wouldn't do it for him. He told this himself in the blog, but he found a student that would. And that student then ended up publishing so many different articles. For instance, maybe you'd go through this and you say, hey, look, people with high blood pressure were less likely to take the snack. That just is a coincidence. Right. I also the, might find, look, the people who ate breakfast, they didn't take a snack. So now I can say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And so um, researchers call this data mining. It is fraudulent. The interesting thing about it is that Dr. Winsink, he published the information in the blog himself. So he at one time had to have known what was ethical, mm. but had blurred the lines in almost every study he'd ever done and made, he had garnered millions and millions of dollars for the National Institute of Health. And you know, not only did he not catch it, that he was doing something so unethical, but none of his peers that were reviewing it for publications caught that it was wrong until one person came along, was doing it with him, and he published a blog 
praising her for doing this. So when we're pushing back on food and nutrition from a biblical perspective, one way we have to do it is we have to look at, you know, what is ethical? There was a survey done of what people feel, is there an absolute right? And depending upon your age, and the younger you are, the closer you are to school age, the more likely you would say, no, everybody can decide truth for themselves. So when these researchers are deciding truth for themselves, they do things like data mining. They have pressure to publish. So if they have a choice, I can either put out this kind of, this research where I've cut corners or I can lose my job, which am I gonna do? Right. Well, and I think that all just points back to, um, you know, the, the sinful nature of man. <laughs> like we are imperfect people. Um, we can't assume that everyone's good. We can't assume that everyone has pure motives. We can't assume that everyone is going to do the right thing and have integrity um, because, because there's sin in this world, right? We are all imperfect. Um, I think there are some really good researchers out there that are searching for truth and that are honest. I think there's a lot of corrupt ones. And this is one example of those who was doing it from a, you know, like a dishonest perspective. Um, and unfortunately, it has consequences. Um, you know, if we look back over, if we look back over just the, the science of nutrition in general, you know, like even looking back to um, the beginning of the dietetics profession, the first president of the dietetics profession was a Seventh-day Adventist and she practiced vegetarianism. Now she came into dietetics, like she basically founded dietetics, the whole profession with a bias to begin with. Um, her bias wasn't necessarily health-based, it was based on a religion that she was following. And so our whole profession started out with training dietitians in vegetarian nutrition. I, I'm now I'm not a vegetarian. Jackie's not a vegetarian. I think I think uh, science has um, proven maybe that that animal protein and meats and, and eggs and those things are okay and they're good for us. They provide good nutrients for us. But it still is like we've always kind of been vegetarian, plant-based focused, and we we're seeing that come out more and more now. Um, not from a religious standpoint. Now, I think it's more from a climate or sustainability standpoint, um, but neither of them are necessarily based on health. I don't know. Is it fair to say that, Jackie? I think so. You know, you know? I love vegetarian foods. I mean, mm -hmm. there's yep. so many vegetarian foods that I absolutely love, yep. but it's like, why is all of the research focusing on the health aspects of that, when we know there are many health aspects of other kinds of protein too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just interesting to see like how, how science, how nutrition science, um, you know, has its flaws. Um, and unfortunately these research uh, studies that come out, they do go into, um, you know, some of them are used to form policy. They go into the development of the dietary guidelines, which then develops the school lunch program and the, uh, the, the SNAP benefits and the WIC program. Like all of these things are based on science. And so if we don't have good, honest science, 
there's so many lies that can be um, interwoven into there. And I think that's why it makes nutrition so confusing for the general public, because and I think, like we've said before, we can find a research study to back up any view that we want. Um, nutrition is extremely hard to study because we can't just lock people in a building and feed them, you know, specific things for months on end to review the results of it. A lot of it's based on you know, people keeping their own data and them being honest. <laughs> Can we trust that they're being honest with what they're telling the researchers? I mean, there's just so many variables in there. And so, so yeah, it's just interesting to see um, how this kind of all plays out. And uh, unfortunately, not, not everything can be trusted, so. And, and let's just take, for example, if we, there are a few studies where they do take people, then they lock them in the room and feed them certain things. Mm -hmm. But still, you have genetics at play, you have individual differences, you have uh, differences in how their body reacts to that, the stress of being isolated from their family, their friends. So it's it's not a good way to study either, because there's so many different things at play there. And also, think about me as a researcher. Let's say that I am a vegan, and I'm going to do research. Well, nothing I research is probably going to have a positive thing to do with meat. I probably am not going to include other forms of protein than what protein is allowed on my specific diet. Right. And then my research, it starts with a bias. And if we could survey, and I'm sure there's a survey out there that shows how many dietitians are vegans or how many people in the health industry are vegans or how many people in uh, companies promoting plant-based products are vegans, we would find it's a huge percentage. So you have that built-in bias right there. And I just want to talk for one second about, you know, if we don't have God's word as our absolute truth, and if truth is whatever we perceive it to be, it's only one step from we, when we see what we want to see, it becomes the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this all comes back to, I think, our worldview. Like when you were talking about bias, Jackie, every single person has a worldview, whether you, whether you know it or not, or whether you admit it or not, we all have a worldview. Um, you know, Jackie and me, we come from a, a biblical worldview. I, I would like to say that we see the world, you know, through a biblical lens, and that's going to be the basis of how we see things and how we interpret things um, and how we know right from wrong and good from evil. People who don't have a biblical worldview, like, like you said, Jackie, if people don't believe in absolute truth, if they don't believe in objective truth and that truth is relative and that truth is whatever you want it to be and live your truth and you know all these sayings these days, then there is no truth. And then you can make up whatever you want. And then there is, you know, that's, that's really dangerous, but that really is the world that we're living in right now. Um, and, you know, even it's interesting because we have a code of ethics that we have to practice by in our profession. And it in there, it specifically says, you know, that, that you're going to be unbiased about nutrition information and nutrition science and whatever. Well, I don't, I don't think you can be, I think everyone comes with a bias. Everyone comes with some kind of worldview that is going to skew the way that they see the world, skew the way they see things. Um, now, I think there's different levels of bias. Um, I think some, you know, is maybe a healthy bias and some is 
whatnot. But I, I, again, I think it would all come back down to integrity and honesty in that word, no matter where your bias is at um, when it's doing uh, nutrition research. But, but yeah, we do. We all have a worldview and we see things differently. So we come with a different a different, I don't know, expectation, you know, to the table. And, and because we all have biases, that's why we do peer-reviewed double-blind studies. Yep. So you think, oh, that should help. But actually, Dr. Brian Winsick, all of his studies were peer-reviewed and no one questioned it because mainly because he's a big name and he had mm. a lot of followers and everybody loved his research. And his studies were all double-blind. That doesn't help in that situation. You know, another situation where where the studies are fraudulent, we're with an Alzheimer's uh, study. And that was just a few months ago. I, billions and billions of dollars of National Institute of Health uh, grants went towards the study of these Alzheimer's drugs that were built on studies where they had cut and pasted the results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if anyone heard that in the headlines. I think it came out um, maybe late summer that a University of Minnesota researcher had um, basically, you know, came up with the conclusion that Alzheimer was based on this one specific, I want to say it's just like this one specific protein in our brain or something like that. So then all of this funding was put into drugs to try to address that issue. So all these new drugs have been developed. Um, you know, people with Alzheimer's have been uh you know, using them, the doctors have been prescribing them, like all of these things. And Alzheimer's affects a lot of people. I don't know what the number is, um, but like personally, my father-in-law has Alzheimer's and he's on two Alzheimer's medications. You know, I have like a personal connection to that, but like think of all the people who have been led astray and all the, the billions of dollars that have probably been spent on this. And it was all based on a lie and none of it was true. Like we still don't know why Alzheimer's happens, we still don't have good treatments for it because of this. Because of this, it kind of um, took people's focus away from, again, researching other parts of Alzheimer's because all, all the eggs were put into one basket on this one study um, or this one researcher's you know, findings, um, and then it was all wasted. So that's just, an, again, yeah, like you said, Jackie, another example of how science can be wrong. And, and 2,300 yeah. studies were based on that one study oh where, and that one study, they did multiple publications. And what they would do is they would take um, imaging of the brain and they would have these little lines that show the different proteins, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. yep. They actually would cut and paste in different lines to make it look like different things were happening. So this, this wasn't faulty research. This was totally corrupt kind of research. The interesting yeah. thing about it is it happened probably 15 years ago. And just this summer came to light. We've, we've seen how bad it really was. But researchers in the Alzheimer's community there were many of them who worked with him that maybe didn't know they were cut and pasted, but they should have. Like the person who discovered it, they just looked at the pictures and said, look, you can tell this is cut and pasted. So they should have known. But anyway, they worked with him and published all these papers. There was another whole um, 
area of Alzheimer's researchers who said, we knew, we knew that those could not happen. It absolutely did not make scientific sense that it could possibly, that you could possibly get the imaging he got from the methods he gave in his study. So my question is then, if they knew that, did they try to speak out and they were like yeah. shut down? They did try to speak out. And one study where clinical trial, where they had this drug that was based on these studies, they were given the patients, researchers from another group asked that the clinical trials be stopped because this was based on faulty research, et cetera, et cetera. But it was, it went ahead and was approved and they went ahead and did the clinical trials. So even though, I mean, it, so people for many years, the person who actually uncovered it at, at the point where it was finally brought to light, um, he talked to people that had, and he could find the research in different places. Other people had pointed this out. But it's very hard to get traction when you're up against a really popular writer. And the University of Minnesota researchers, one was a junior professor who was um, doing this, but all many of his papers had the uh, department research chair's name on them also. What they did is they went back and they checked some of these other researchers' papers and none of their papers had fraudulent type of imaging done to it, mm -hmm. except for the papers that he was uh, a part of. So this had been going on for a long time. Many people raised red flags. And even after the summer incident where it came to light, he was stripped of all of his publications, et cetera, et cetera, his senior faculty members, they seem to kind of stand beside him. That's crazy. And so was there any like criminal charges that can happen from that or no, you just, no, do, it, do they, retract, they retract? They retract everything? They retract okay. them. But after something <clears throat> is published, mm. to do a retraction, how many people see the retraction? Now, in right. this case, it made headlines. So I would say most people should know about that. And they should know about the Dr. Winsing. But there are hundreds of thousands of uh, research studies that are retracted or faulty information is pointed out or faulty methods are pointed out. Then you have thousands and thousands more where it's not discovered because no one, um, no one, it's under, goes under the radar. Right. So. But even the people who published the studies, they justified it for a long, long time. Stuff like this, it just, it kind of, it makes me angry. Um, it makes me sad. Like, think of all the harms, you know, that, that have resulted or could result from stuff like this. Just dishonest science. Um, even with the science that's coming out about COVID. Now, we haven't talked about COVID that much um, it's a very divisive issue. And so we haven't talked about it on the podcast. Um, but more and more science has been coming out about it. Um, not, not even COVID itself, but the, the vaccines especially. And it appears that or different researchers are being silenced. Some of them are being censored. There's stuff that's being covered up. There's lies that have occurred. 
Um, I know that there is, you know, there was a severe vaccine injury during the COVID trials, uh, during the clinical trials for the Pfizer vaccine, and that person's injury was removed from the results. She's been on multiple national platforms give, sharing her story, um, but this young girl is in a wheelchair and on a tube feeding for the rest of her life because of it, and they put her um, in the category of getting a stomach ache from the vaccine. And so that is just one example. There's multiple others of how science is not always honest, how things are covered up, how there might be a bias or an agenda, how there might be some kind of dishonesty and unethical something um, in science. And I think for me, especially, it has really come to light through COVID, through COVID, through these vaccine programs, through all of this stuff, seeing really good doctors and researchers and scientists being shut down for questioning things or for having a different opinion or for, you know, certain research studies not being published because it didn't go along with what it didn't go along with the drug companies. Like this kind of stuff really just makes me question everything. It makes me question, you know, the, the role of science. And again, I think it all comes back to honesty. It all comes back to truth. And it all comes back to, um, I think, our sinful nature as human beings. And, you know, we are, we are wretched people and we have wicked hearts and we are evil. And that is why we have, that's why we need Jesus. That is why we need a savior because it's just, I don't know, there's just so much corruption and evilness in this world. And I just, it, it makes me yearn for heaven. Like it does. I just, I cannot wait until God's justice is complete. Like he is going to take care of all these injustices that are happening one day. And I cannot wait. And I know, and I trust him that that's going to happen. Um, but unfortunately on this side of heaven and on this earth, we have to live through this. Like we have to see these things happen. We have to see bad people do bad things um, and good people get hurt. And it's, it's just, it's part of, of earthly life, unfortunately. Um, and but the, yeah. The sad thing about all of this is that all of the time and energy and billions of dollars that could have been put into a cure for Alzheimer's or could have put, been put into finding out exactly how nutrition works for um, the general population or for the Alzheimer's patients or for other different chronic diseases, it was all put into a fraudulent area. Right. So it has put us behind in discovering the cure for Alzheimer's, the cure for other kinds of diseases. And what we are left with is to pick up the pieces and start over like 15 years ago. Right. And um, this has happened over and over. And there are so many instances in nutrition where it does. But I want to end on a positive note here, because I want to talk about how because we're pushing back on food nutrition culture from a biblical perspective, none of it really matters to us. First of all, research is for looking at what happens to the general population. What happens to on a global scale or a scale across the United States or across our state? It doesn't really mean much of what happens to the individual. So even if the research is 
excellent. It's top of the line. Uh, there's no fraudulent in it. You know, there's all kinds of other little things that can happen. So my genetics, my individual differences might not fit with that research. Right. So it's not like you can take research and apply it to you personally, or at least right. we probably shouldn't. So um, eating a well-balanced diet, high in whole grains, fruits and vegetables, um, getting plenty of fiber, all of those are things that I can follow. The things that I do not want to follow is where one researcher found that this herb did this or that this Alzheimer's drug did this. You know, if there's just one study showing that, or if we find that it's fraudulent, even though there are thousands of studies showing it, you know, we don't want to follow that. So I just feel like pushing back on the nutrition culture from a biblical perspective is such an awesome, awesome area to be in because we know that God's truth is absolute literal truth. And we don't have to worry about, you know, a lot of these other things aren't really, because that is our world, isn't it? Well, and just getting back to, you know, eating what God has provided for us to eat. Um, I really think, you know, it doesn't require a ton of, of scientific research. Um, I think science has done some great things for us and, and uh, just, you know, the discovery of vitamins and minerals and things like that, I think is awesome um, because we didn't know about that before. But again, just going back to eating, um, you know, those foods that God has provided, he's provided animals and plants for us to eat. He said right there in Genesis, I give you both plants and animals to eat. Those are the things that are going to provide nutrients for our body so that we can live and thrive on this earth. And that that's really as basic as it gets. Um, we don't need someone in a lab coat in a, in, you know, to tell us um, a specific ratio or, you know, amounts or whatever of something to eat. Like just, just let's eat the foods that God provided. Um, and yes, I think in a balanced way makes the most sense. Uh, but that's, that's really it. Like, it's just really simple. And I think we can trust God with that. We can trust that he's provided what our body needs. And, you know, I don't want people to worry about the headlines and, um, whether what they're doing is right for their bodies, et cetera, et cetera. Because, you know, I just love the verse that if there's anything that is true or honorable or right, you know, anything that's pure, commendable, you know, think on these things. And so we have so much we know that's good in nutrition. And those are the things that we can think on. Those are the things that we could practice. We don't have to practice all of these little nuances. We don't have to be intimidated by people who say, follow the science because we are following the science. We follow it more closely than just about any other um, group out there. So we do follow the science and we love bringing science into our podcast, but we also have to be understanding that not everybody has our best interests in mind. They might have only their best interest in mind. Right. That's true. And their worldview is going to affect the way they see things. And if they see climate change as the end all be all, it's going to affect the way that they give nutrition advice. Um, Christians who believe that, you know, this earth is not our permanent home and that Jesus is going to come back and take us. We see things differently. And so, yes, always just keep that in mind. Don't believe everything you hear or read. 
um, always go back and compare it to scripture, um, if I can even dare say common sense is okay as well. Um, but yeah, just, just be mindful, be aware of um, some of the messaging out there and always, it's okay to look into um, the people telling you it. What is their background? What is their bias? Because I think that does play a huge role in it if they have one. Where is the money, right? They say, follow the money. Um, that that can definitely play a role in, in the outcomes and the advice as well. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the podcast on um, maybe the the dishonesty in, in research. Um, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us through Instagram. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. We would love to have you leave a review or comment on our Instagram page. It's been great to share this time with you. And we pray that you have a grace-filled day.